Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Human Interest Podcast. I'm Evelyn Wambui. If you are listening in for the first time, welcome. The Human Interest Podcast is a weekly podcast that features stories about people and life, successes, losses, challenges, and lessons. As promised, we have an extra episode this week because it's International Women's Day. Today's podcast is me coloring outside the lines. It's a very interesting conversation I had with my colleagues at the office after launching a campaign called Girls Get Equal. Just a bit about this campaign, it's a youth-led social change campaign that seeks to ensure every girl and young woman has power over their own life and can shape the world around her. The campaign ensures girls are provided with platforms and spaces to articulate their own issues as they know them and dictate how they want their stories told. Please follow the conversation around this campaign on all Plan International social media platforms for a lot more information. If you look at men, how many men who rise to the top of their field, if you speak to their wives and their children, they were never at home, they were busy at work. So this was us having a post-reflective conversation thereafter. And I remember at some point I thought, oh my, how great would this conversation be if more people could listen to it outside our small office? And even greater, if it could spark more conversation in other workspaces, social spaces, family setups even. Isn't this what gender transformation is all about? So yeah, you'll hear some heated debates, some laughter, some banter, some telephones ringing in the background, a noisy generator at the beginning. But amidst it all, a conversation we should all have at some point. We need to stop the narrative that there is no trade-offs. We, as a single parent, having to balance the needs of my child with my professional career, I've been very lucky, I've been successful, I've had a good support network, but also recognizing there are some times that my child didn't have me at his after-school game, that there were times that I had to travel, that I did miss a birthday once, of which I still get reminded on every year at his birthday. (laughs) But those are things that, as a parent, you didn't want to make you didn't want to have to make you didn't want to have those make those trade-offs but those were trade-offs that had to be made do i think that that in the end i've raised a relatively well-adjusted child who will be successful in life yes i think i did did i raise raise a child who's independent yes i think i did but at the same time if a woman chooses that they're not going to pursue gung-ho their career because they're making a choice that they're going to prioritize their children and family that shouldn't be penalized and that shouldn't be looked down on raising the next generation is as important and valuable a job as being a ceo to frame that question a little bit differently. Why is it that we want who made us God to determine what professional success looks like? If a woman, for example, in her career, I know many women yeah, who decided they want to be teachers, primary school teachers, and that's what gives them pleasure. They've had opportunities to go do their masters, their degrees and things like that, but they're happier doing, yeah, being a teacher. If you argue that because they're not working as deputy directors in the Ministry of Education, they're not successful, I think we are missing it. So for me, I think... Yeah, so I mean, for me, Everybody I think... Everybody at their own level. Like, exactly. don't actually, you know, look at maybe the 
top politicians, me, very top women on board, and actually think those are just the only women who have made it. Mm-hmm. You can still make it within your own very Absolutely. interests, and it's whatever. just having that self gratification, knowing that mm-hmm. you know what I have actually reached my self actualization. Mm-hmm. It could be that teaching, mm-hmm. it could be selling whatever poultry, chicken, yeah. rearing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, Leslie, you talked about support system, but this is my thought to it. I feel that, you know, perhaps support system works better for maybe more advantaged women, you know. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, yeah, women with, you know, better careers, yeah, you can actually afford that nanny. It's easy for you to say, you know what, I'm not able to be around. I can afford that nanny. But I'm actually looking at the other higher percentage in our case, mm-hmm. given the fact that we're in a developing country, mm-hmm. they, they can't afford this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't afford this kind of system. So mm-hmm. really, I don't know, how how do those women look for support? Because it's easy for us to say, wow, yeah. look for support system and you can still kind of balance. Yeah, yeah, there are trade-offs, but you can balance with support. But how does this other person, what is support to this person? I, I would 100% agree with you. And I think the most interesting part, and think about it, is that when I went back to Canada, my dad used to come and stay to look after Fritz when I traveled. He came from across the country, and I could pay for his ticket. And would dad get that covered because I worked for an organization that had a child care allowance when you traveled. So my expenses up to a certain amount um, would get reimbursed, which was wonderful because then I didn't have to kind of make those financial decisions either. It wasn't, it wasn't a financial burden to travel and to find childcare. It was one of the most progressive policies that I've seen. I haven't seen it in many other international NGOs. But I think the other part about it is, is that I watched a TV show, I watched a documentary last night on a group of women called the Black Mambas that work in one of the game reserves in South Africa. And they go three weeks on, ten, week, ten days off. And the, what they've got is their support systems or their families. So their mothers or their sisters and their children are well looked after and they stay with them. And what we're seeing is we're getting more urbanization and, people are, and the family is becoming much more nuclear. Is that the support systems that we used to have, grandparents, aunts, sisters, are disappearing and fading away. And that's a real negative from Western culture as you get more and more isolated. Is that natural support system that you would used to have with multi-generational health households of which one or two individuals would go to work, would go to the fields, but everybody had jobs and tasks and worked collectively to make the household work and look after childcare. Those are disappearing. And sometimes I wonder if, if in that movement towards modernity or that movement towards a Western lifestyle, which is, which is very isolated and very much in the nuclear family, Countries like Kenya are missing something because children learn a lot from their elders. They, they, elders play a key role. It continues to make older people feel, feel valued and that they're contributing, that they're, once they reach a certain age, they're not just put out to pasture, forgotten somewhere. Um, so I think one of the challenges in working with young women is to kind of, what are your potential support networks? How can you link into that? What makes sense? If Maybe if your mother or your grandmother comes down and stays with you, or I don't know, but there are, there are, we need to look at newer ways, non-institutional, that support this, this process. I was talking to some lady who was telling me that the entry level for women, like it's in the lower level, a lot of women come in and they're very confident when they're seeking jobs. And, but when they get older, they, even, they become more scared. Like they don't get the top jobs. Like when they do interviews, top level, you get more men being braver than the women. Mm-hmm. So they were asking, 
Like, what's the problem? What happens between entry level when there's this feisty young woman who's fresh from school, has these great ideas? They come in and then they get lost in there. So in the 40s and 50s, you're getting a different woman who is a bit timid. I think maybe scared of taking up too many responsibilities and, and they have home. So what happens? I don't think that's it. The, the studies have shown that women, um, and I don't think it's, I don't know about younger women, but women when they're applying for jobs, women apply for jobs in which they think they meet 100% or 110% of the qualification, and men will apply for jobs in which they maybe reach 60%. And that is, that, but that is inculcated. Some of the studies look at that, that's even starting in, it's, it's not about individual men, it's about, yeah, but the, some of that has started in, started looking at schools where girls, top performing girls, everything has to be perfect. They have to be getting A's. They really lots of pressure on them. They have to do. They really have to be the best. Boys will skate by with B's, C's, and possibly A's, and put as much work into it. They want it. They'll put as much work into it to get an A, but they're not going to go over the top. You know, there's some, and that is back to girls growing up and and being uh, being socialized into believing. That they that 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 in order to make it they have to, it has to be perfect, yeah. it has to be a hundred percent, and that's part of society. You look at images, perfect bodies, perfect makeup, perfect hair. You have to be the perfect woman. Your children have looked after. You've cooked the perfect meal for your husband when he gets home, and you're the perfect woman at jobs. I mean, it's unattainable and frustrating. It is. Um, in fact, if you actually talk to older folks, you know, they could be our moms and everything. Mm-hmm. You will get a lot of that, yeah? yeah? True. Because that's how they were raised. That's how they were socialized. Mm-hmm. So you actually, they were just, you know, it's you're all about being this image. You know, even if this happens, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. This is how you're supposed to. You, it's already been determined how you should live, how you should carry out, because you're a woman. Who tells the men again? Mm-hmm. But I think... Aspects of... Uh, being afraid of risks yes. especially like if you're growing up being guided like for example in my case so my mom will tell me okay why didn't you take why did you take um, a job that would last you some few months or some few weeks or so but the thing is for them they knew that stability is important yeah. so but for a man he's thinking where is this going to take me yes. Have you, he's very strategic so he knows that this is going to take me to this place so it doesn't matter at what level or what am I going to do and so I'm using this to get me to this other level so for women, we tend to have that because you, you tend to feel like you need to take care of things, you see? Yeah. So it's already a socialization. Ambition is a dirty word for women. And, that's, and then we overvalue, as you just said, we overvalue expertise. It's true. So many men, even my friends, you could look at them, you're, okay, so why did you apply for this? Or why did you go for this position or role? They're like, I can do it. I know I can do it. They just put these things together, but they can't. But it's not about, I don't think it's about overvaluing of expertise. I, but I think I'm a, no, no. I, I think it's a bit different. It's about this this socialization that, in order to be seen yeah. as credible, it's yeah. not about being at the same level as your male competitors. You have to demonstrate that you're better yeah. because there's that that there's there is a bias. And then they have this inner drive that they will definitely succeed. It's like it's a it's a silent tone yeah. that says I will succeed no matter what. So you would the the man will take the business and actually Absolutely. succeed, but you you'll be yeah. thinking. Oh, the business, no, I, let me just go and get a job. Especially women, for us who are in managerial positions or top positions, we need to be mentors to the younger girls. So if you've made it, uh, why should I pretend I'm the perfect? And that's where sometimes women, we are our own worst enemies. So when I'm at the top, 
it's like I have reached there. I'm also that perfectionist. Yet I have walked a journey. As she's saying, I've made those trade-offs. Mm. And those are the stories and experiences we need to be sharing with other young women who are joining the workplace and saying, yeah. you know what? It wasn't easy coming to the top. Mm. I had to make certain trade-offs. Yeah. But this is what this is what I learned along the journey. Yeah. And sharing those experiences, I think, will encourage women, despite our socialization, to make it to the top. And, but yeah. I think it's important. I mean, the tra- it's not been easy journeys, and it's yeah. not been journeys without yeah. trade-offs and choices. And we need need to, to challenge the narrative that says you can have it all. No, because there's nobody who can have it all. Nobody. Yeah. nobody. And so... Doing like some form of personal gratification. You made this tra- trade-offs knowing that if I did this, my son's going to be better or my son's going to get this and that. But that is what we're hiding. But I, I we don't tell, we don't talk about the stories. And you're saying that we should be able to tell women needs to need to help people. I mean, that narrative is old. Why aren't we helping? Yes, yes, it's true. Other women. The truth is, it's never happening. So what we should be confronting is why isn't it happening? Question. I want to see whether you, where you for all of you. Good question. Yes. Is it myth or it's real that, generally speaking? Women managers are very bad to fellow ladies. Those who agree go on this side, those who disagree go on this side. I've experienced that. I agree. I'm changing that narrative. Women, women, men. Can I tell you the real truth? to their fellow ladies. It's very, very, very true. It's very, very true. No, I think sometimes... I I, I think you're onto something as well, and it's a challenge for women. How do we... Because remember, remember, we've been so... But we've been so... Can I hear? hear, Do you agree or you don't agree? Um, It's not for you, but generally speaking, it's true. It's true, I agree. I agree. I agree. Me, I agree. My father, my father, Father, who's not who's not always gender aware, um, he's 85. I work on it, but to limited success. Um, when I do remember when he when I was growing up, made a what I thought was a breathtaking and quite a interesting observation, is that women are raised to compete with each other. Yeah. For the attention of boys, the attention of men, that tensions within households can rise, particularly if you've got one or you've got a mother and a father and a couple of young girls, because they all can try to compete for their father's attention to be the favorite, but in different different ways. And so, once again, it's this insidious socialization. And I'm not saying that men do it purposefully, not at all. It's way it's the way that our culture and our societies frame those relationships. And so we carry that unconsciously even into our workplaces. And so we see other women as competitors as opposed to collaborators and allies, and we tend to make allies with men in our office. I found it myself. I've seen it in colleagues. It's a, And it's a real challenge because you're having to break through so much conditioning that is unconscious. It's kind of how do you how do you wake people to think that through? And it's an uncomfortable journey because then you have to think of what do, could I have done more to help that young woman in my office? Did I do enough? Be a place where you tend to realize, like male managers, our objective. <laughs> 
you see when you're dealing with a situation okay i don't i can't i don't bring in the aspect of emotional intelligence i don't want to bring that story that will be another whole story but you tend to find them objective if you're arguing with them if you have an issue they'll tell you straight in your face this is wrong this is right let's move on to the next thing and they're done with it but for a lady will tend to carry it forward and, and now it will be yeah. to other it, people could it be and that women you will be judged on that constantly and yet you made the change yeah. we can still use those emotions to our advantage yeah. empathy so yeah. instead of being jealous why can't you be empathetic to this person you know i think we jealousy are emotionally oh, aware oh, Nick. <laughs> i want <I'll, laughs> i think Stuart might be onto something but i leave it to you to you ladies <laughs> I want to pick from something that uh, Leslie has said. Because of whatever the reason, then the, the, the female staff who works under a female boss, if there happens to be a male staff, they try and create that ally. What happens to that male staff is that it becomes very difficult for us because you have uh, a peer yeah. and your own boss yeah. fighting and all of them coming to you, it becomes very difficult. So sometimes when you're having this conversation, if we are able to step back and say, I like what was said there, it is for us and the peers. What exactly does that mean, even for the man at the workplace? Men who are assertive are seen as positive, yeah. women who are assertive is seen as negative, by both men and women. Yeah? yeah? Women who yeah, are, yeah. women, women who, who if, you went to a man, if you went to a man and say, you kind of presented, no, that's not right, yeah. boom. You would accept it. A woman said that she's being, yeah. she's being, she's being, she's being a bitch. And the, and it's, and the, the challenge, the challenge then becomes is how do we support and look at support management styles that are more feminine, and 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 kind of deal with the management styles that are are more masculine. I have worked with men who have very feminine management styles, right, and have worked with women. Who have very masculine management styles, and so it's and not one is not better than the other. Is we're trying to kind of find how do you how do you pull it together so it makes it more enabling, recognizing that in every group you need somebody who calls BS because you need to have that, but you also have to have that person who brings people together, who works on consensus, and valuing both of them. But in for the most part. Um, if women take on a very assertive masculine leadership style, it's not seen as positive. And if men take on a feminine, more em- empathetic, compassionate ma- management yeah. style, that's not seen as well either. Yeah. They seen yeah. as they're seen as being weak. Back to that socialization thing we are talking about. Yeah, you see, ever since you're young, you know, let's not gender roles and those kind of things. You see, because that way, you know, like for example, like the woman, oh no, you go to the kitchen, yes. you do this, you do this, your brother never yes. does those things, he doesn't even know how to cook and fry an egg, you yeah. know, like simple yeah. things and that, it's like, no, men are not You're supposed to do those things. So. about bugs and dirt and teach boys about pots and pans yeah. and let both of them figure out what they like. But you see a lot of girls that get dirty and play with bugs and, oh, why are you doing that? That's a boy thing. Yeah. And boys who want to paint their toenails or a few other things, oh, why don't do that. That's a, that's, that's girly. That's a girly thing. If you've ever watched The Secret Lives yeah. yeah. of three, four, five, six year olds on yeah. BBC, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a program that shows how gender roles, even if you do not 
teach your children these things they just pick up on them when they're growing up yeah. and so there's uh, so the program basically puts three olds boys and girls in a room and there's a psychologist monitoring and they're given activities so like there was one activity where there was some makeup things on the corner and then there was some like boy stuff on the corner balls and bags and and a sandpit and you know all the girls went to the the side of the whatever makeup. of the makeup and whatever and started doing their thing and there was one boy who really wanted to do makeup and he was really teased by the others and those were three year olds yeah. So really at that age, it tells you how early this socialization yeah, starts. Yeah. Nobody has even told them anything yet. They've already decided they are girls do these things. And so when the little boy was asked, why did you go to that side? I like makeup, but I know it's not a very boyish thing to do. You're like, okay, so who told this boy this? Yeah. <laughs> so it starts very early. Starts you don't very young. Boys don't, yeah. boys don't, boys don't, be a man, don't cry. Yeah, exactly. Be a man, don't cry. Yeah. yeah? It's okay for little girls to cry, but be a man, don't yeah. cry if you're a boy. I mean, it doesn't so, matter if yeah, blood so. is pouring off of you yeah. or you just yeah. tripped and fell. But. You wonder why men don't open up. Yeah. And you wonder why they don't open up. Because you have to be strong yeah. and just keep it. People, that is it. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Or having so many diseases, you know, yeah. lifestyle diseases. Yeah. Media plays a huge huge role in our socialization of our children and as you're getting more media from outside um, and it's reinforcing some of the cultural norms here about the roles of men and women um, it's a huge challenge because those are the things that our children watch growing up um, so if we really want to change culture we need to change media as well get rid of the get rid of the 12 year olds dressed up made up to look like 30 year olds that are stick thin and those are the ideal oh I know this is interesting. Yeah, that, that was, was a great. wonderful conversation. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, that was nice. It just tells you that. Emma, that presentation. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, guys. It's made me feel. This yeah. is gender transformation at work. Yes. That is what gender transformation is about. Gender transformation isn't about ticking the box. Gender transformation is about having the conversations and raising things up. And over time, those conversations start to replicate and ripple through. Yeah. And they make you reflect. And they yes, make they make you reflect. Because the biggest part of gender transformation is not there, it's inside. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's very easy for us to just do all these things for the community and we don't reflect and it doesn't have any effect yes. on us, which is very yes. sad. Regular podcasting resumes next week. I don't think I will say this enough. Men, women, please let's share our power with the young boys and women. Let's mentor them. Let's inspire them. Let's motivate them. Let them see us so they can be us. See us doing better, of course, and being better. Share this conversation in your spaces, comment about what you think, like, subscribe for more, and review if your app has that option. It helps get more people to find and enjoy the podcast. See you next week. Bye-bye.